0: Chapter Fifteen of Fairy Tales from South Africa, collected and arranged by Mrs. E. J. Boorhill and Mrs. J. B. Drake. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Noel Badrian. The Story of Semai Mai, Part Two. The Fairy Dog. All that night, and the whole of the next day, Semai Mai trotted steadily up and down the mountain paths. No man saw him, for he avoided every valley which seemed to be inhabited. He was determined to get as far away as possible from the scene of his defeat, into a country where the name of Semai Mai had never been heard. He travelled for three days, and had then covered as much ground as a man would traverse in seven. He began to feel safer and more himself again, and turned over the situation in his mind. His shame and rage had at first been great, but he now saw that all was not lost. It is true that he was but a dog, but the wonderful nail on his foot was all that the fairy had promised. It was three feet long and six inches broad, and cut far better than any axe or hunting knife he had ever possessed. Not only this, but he found that he only had to express a wish for food, and it instantly appeared. Most excellent food it was, too. Never had he tasted better. He also found that he could call down a mist at any moment in which to hide himself from an enemy and he felt sure that time would show him yet greater marvels. Life still held enjoyments, and with patience and care he might regain much of his former power. He cocked his ears, curled his bushy tail with an air of assurance, and went forward, determined to find a home in the kraal of the nearest chief. Before long he came to the end of the mountain country, a great plain lay before him well wooded and watered by a broad river not many miles below was an immense kraal. the tiny brown huts could be seen distinctly in the clear air and the green mealy-fields which surrounded the town the cattle enclosure was very large evidently the chief was rich I will descend and see what sort of a king this is, said semai Mai. and in an hour he was standing at the chief gate. Everyone saw at once that he was no ordinary dog, and before many days were over he was in attendance on the king and was fed from his table. Now this was unfortunate, for the king was a cannibal, and semai Mai was encouraged in his wicked tastes instead of learning to forget them. The king kept all his prisoners of war and fattened them up, and when a great feast arrived, the best were killed and eaten with much rejoicing. One day, a few months after Semai Mai's arrival, the most lovely little boy was brought to the corral. He had been stolen by a band of robbers while sleeping out in the fields, and they had carried him many days, hoping he would be a dainty morsel acceptable to the king. But the boy was so beautiful, and his bearing so unusual, that the king had him examined by his magicians. They unanimously declared him to be of royal blood, and as the king did not usually eat his equals, he said that the young prince should be kept alive and brought up with his own sons. He also gave him Semai-mai, the fairy dog, as his servant, and treated him with much kindness. Semai mai liked the little boy. He ran his errands, went out hunting with him, chopped the wood for his fires, and slept in his hut at nights. The little prince loved him in return, and they ate together from the king's own dishes. By and by the prince told him all he knew about himself. He was the only son of his father, who was a big chief, and they lived up among the mountains. His mother would look for him everywhere. She was directing her maidens in the field when he was carried away. Some day she would be sure to come for him. Semai so Mai soon felt certain that the little boy came from some kingdom near his own, and he also looked eagerly for the boy's mother when any woman arrived at the kraal. But no news ever came. Years went by. The prince was now a well-grown youth, and Semaimai continued his faithful friend. But while the prince always avoided the cannibal repasts which came at the great festivals, Semaimai enjoyed them, for his heart was unchanged. One day an old woman came to the kraal to beg the king's protection. She was poorly dressed and footsore, and her eyes had a wild look. The prince and Semimai came to see her, more by habit than because they now expected anyone. But the instant the prince heard her speak, he recognized his mother's voice. "'Say nothing now,' was Semimai's advice when he heard the news. "'The king will doubtless put her in a hut to be fattened with the other prisoners, for she is old and useless. Watch your opportunity, and we will all escape.' And live in wealth elsewhere a few nights later the prince went to the hut where his old mother was she nearly died of joy and surprise when she heard his name your father told me never to appear in his presence till i could bring you with me said she for years i have wandered in search of you your father had no other son you were the pride of his heart and I was his favorite wife till I lost you in the mealy-fields. I had given up all hope of ever seeing home again, and believed you long since dead. We will go home again and rule as before, said the prince, smiling gaily. I had forgotten the way to my father's kingdom, but you will show me. Say no word of our relationship, and I must think over a plan of escape." every day a man came to look at the old queen and see if she was fattening well presently he announced to the king that the prisoners were all in excellent condition and a feast day might be appointed when it pleased the great chief the king then went to inspect the prisoners himself declared them to be ready and chose a day for the rejoicings immediately everyone in the kraal man woman and child went out to collect wood at early dawn for great fires would be needed as soon as the city was deserted the prince and semai released the old queen collected all the cattle they could find in the fields and started hot foot for the mountains that evening the whole company returned and found the prince and the old woman gone they tracked them by the footprints of the cattle, and sent warriors after them. But as soon as they began to overtake the fugitives, for the cattle were slow, Semaimai threw a beautiful rainbow mist all round himself and his friends, so they could never be seen. After many vain attempts, the cannibals returned baffled, and gave up the chase in despair. All along the road Semai-mai had only to bark when food was wanted, and a plentiful meal instantly appeared. When they had all had enough, he barked again, and not a trace of the food remained. At the end of many days they came to the outskirts of the prince's own country. But here semai said, we will not make ourselves known as yet, we will live alone. FOR HE WAS AFRAID THE PRINCE MIGHT HEAR BY SOME UNLUCKY CHANCE WHO HE REALLY WAS, AND HIS POWER WOULD BE GONE. SO FOR A LONG WHILE THE THREE LIVED TOGETHER IN A FERTILE VALLEY BY THE SIDE OF A CLEAR STREAM. THEIR CATTLE GREW AND INCREASED, TILL THEY BECAME A NOBLE HERD. THE PRINCE WAS NOW A MAN, AND BOTH RICH AND HANDSOME all went happily till one day he went out hunting and met a party of very pretty girls they came they said from a kingdom among the mountains the men of their people were ugly but not a woman among them was plain and many were far prettier than themselves the prince longed to see this kingdom, and remembered he was now of an age to marry, and had besides many cattle and a beautiful home. So he sat by his mother that evening and said, It is time I looked for a nice little wife. You want help in the house, and would like someone to grind the corn and carry water and wood. The mother was pleased at the idea, but the dog sat still in sullen silence. Who might this wife be? Hitherto he had ruled both the prince and his mother, but this new woman might spoil all. The next day the prince set out for the kingdom where all the men were ugly and all the women beautiful. You can guess it was the kingdom of Sobuso. BEFORE LONG HE HAD WON THE HEART OF A LOVELY GIRL, THE DAUGHTER OF A GREAT CHIEF, AND NIECE OF THE KING HIMSELF. ALL ARRANGEMENTS WERE MADE FOR THE WEDDING, AND THE PRINCE DEPARTED JOYOUSLY FOR HOME, TO TELL HIS MOTHER OF HIS SUCCESS. ALL WAS GOT IN ORDER FOR THE BRIDE, AND THE APPOINTED NUMBER OF CATTLE WERE SENT TO HER FATHER, IN ACCORDANCE WITH CUSTOM. Every day Samai Mai grew more and more gloomy. The prince and his mother thought little of it, and never once imagined that he disapproved of the marriage. But now that Samai Mai knew that the bride came from Sobuso's kingdom, he determined to make an end of everything. As soon as he knew that the wedding party was in sight, he killed both the prince and his mother with his long bright nail, and ate them right up. Then he sat down in the sun before the door of the hut, looking very big and important. The princess came up to the gate with her attendant maids, all in her bravest attire, and looked for the bridegroom and his mother. She waited a long time, then ventured forward and looked all round the kraal. Not a living thing could be seen save this huge brown dog. Presently semai Mai came up to them and said, The prince is waiting in the big hut. Let me show you in. The princess and her maids followed him, much astonished to find a talking dog. semai Mai took them into the biggest hut and made them sit round. Then he killed and ate them all in turn, Beginning at the bride and finishing with the youngest bridesmaid. When all was over, he went out and sat in the sun once more. Only now he was larger than any dog that ever was seen, for after every meal he grew bigger and bigger. Many weeks passed by, and the bridal party never returned to give news of the wedding. The princess's father grew anxious, for no one appeared, nor was there any message. At last he sent a party of men to find out what had happened. Sumai-mai saw them coming, and caught them all in the big hut, just as he had caught the bridal party. He ate them all, but one who slipped out by a lucky chance. Sumai-mai was now bigger than an elephant, and the man who escaped ran home and said the enemy was an enormous dog who was a cannibal. THE CHIEF CRIED OUT, WHAT FOOLS AND COWARDS SERVE ME, I WILL GO AND KILL THE MONSTER MYSELF. SO HE TOOK A SHIELD AND assegais AND SOME PICKED MEN, AND SET OUT FOR THE DOG'S kraal. WHEN HE SAW HIM, AND REALIZED HOW BIG HE WAS, HIS SURPRISE WAS VERY GREAT, FOR Mai WAS NOW TALLER AND BIGGER THAN THE LARGEST HUT, AND COULD BE SEEN FROM THE ENTRANCE OF THE VALLEY. THE CHIEF ADVANCED BRAVELY, AND HE AND HIS MEN LET FLY THEIR assegais, BUT NOT ONE TOUCHED Samaimai. HE SIMPLY SHOOK HIMSELF, SPRANG ON THE CHIEF, AND ATE HIM, AND THEN KILLED NEARLY ALL HIS MEN. ONLY A VERY FEW ESCAPED, AND THEY RAN BACK TO THE KINGDOM OF SOBUSO IN WILD TERROR, DECLARING THAT NO ONE COULD HOPE TO CONQUER THE FAIRY DOG samai in the meantime gathered all his master's cattle together and set out for his former kingdom. Before many days were over he had reached the great plain in which his people lived. But now he saw nothing but a huge forest extending for many miles. Not a single habitation was to be seen where formerly great cities flourished. His heart failed him for a moment then he lifted his head and barked three times instantly the forest disappeared then great cities rose in its place and thousands of warriors came out in warlike array to greet him semai mai had released his people from enchantment but he himself still remained an enormous dog nor in spite of his great powers did he find it possible to make any change for a long time no friend of the princess or her father dared to venture within reach of the fairy dog but the dead chief was a very great man and brother to sobuso himself so it was not long before the story came to the latter's ears at first he could hardly believe it but when he found the tale was true and his relatives had really been destroyed by a cannibal dog he determined to rid the country of such a monster. He called out all his army, and bade his magicians treat them with every charm they knew. Then he assembled them together. Whatever happens, said he, this dog must die. I myself will be the first to attack him. It was not long before they found out Semai Mai's new home after a journey of many weeks across the mountains they came in sight of the three great cities from the heights above they could see semai mai's hut in the middle of the city close to the cattle kraal it was impossible to mistake for it was four times as big as any hut they had ever seen so Buso sent out spies and then waited all day for their report at night they returned but they brought bad news. You have no idea how mighty the enemy is, said they. No assegai is big enough to kill him, and no man tall enough to throw it. We must return home and make special weapons, or our cause is hopeless. So Buso was much depressed. Leave me alone, he said. I must think out fresh plans. So he sat alone for many hours night came suddenly and quietly and every man was soon asleep it was very very still and the air was warm only the frogs could be heard croaking far away along the river banks so Buso thought and thought but could see no way out save retreat he remembered now his fight long ago with semai if this dog were no other than that famous chief only magic could help him for no one had beaten semai mai by his own strength before him lay the great plain and the dim outlines of his enemies growls scarcely to be distinguished in the warm darkness then suddenly at the very outer edge of the world appeared a line of amethyst the line widened and gradually moved forward a wide circle of faint blue mountains then came into view. Beneath them great plains of silvery green, and last of all the three cities, every hut distinct and clear. The moon was rising behind the mountains. A moment later its rays touched Sobuso himself. A strange shadow lay on the grass before him, he turned quickly and saw before him a most extraordinary creature it was a very old woman leaning on an immense assegai much taller than herself in her hand she held two calabashes she had not a tooth in her mouth and her head was covered with long hair so that you could only see her eyes she had no feet only two long toes SHE STOOD WITH HER BACK TO THE MOON. SEBUSO FELT HER GAZE ON HIM, BUT COULD DISTINGUISH NO FEATURES. GREAT KING, SHE CRIED, YOU SHALL KILL SAMAIMAI. IT IS IMPOSSIBLE, I HAVE NO assegai BIG ENOUGH. KING OF KINGS, SAID THE OLD WOMAN, TAKE THESE TWO CALABASHES OF MEDICINE, AND THIS assegai. THEY COME TO YOU FROM THE FAIRY OF THE VALLEY. Mai shall now be rendered powerless forever. In the early morning, when all your men are still asleep, rise up and sprinkle the contents of this first calabash on them. Stand so that the wind blows from you towards them and carries the magic drops. Sprinkle it then on yourself, and you and all your army will be invisible. Never let this assegai go out of your hand. Go up to Semimai. He will not see you. Stab him with the assegai, and then throw the contents of the second calabash over him. You must cut off his big nail and strike him with it three times. He will then be powerless to harm you. A cloud came over the moon, and when it passed away, Sabuso found the old woman was gone. But the assegai and the two calabashes were on the ground and they picked them up and went to a spot above his sleeping men he waited till a tiny breeze sprang up before daybreak then he sprinkled them with the magic drops and at dawn he set them in order and all marched down to the gates of semai mai's royal city the sun was fully up and the huge dog could be seen moving about the kraal like a big house. He had hundreds of wives and many thousands of cattle, and he walked about gloating over his possessions. Sabuso sent in a few of his men to make sure that the potion had worked well. They returned, saying that they had moved everywhere freely, and had even gone up to the royal hut, but no one had paid them the least attention. Sobuso and his men then entered the gate and marched straight up the chief road. No one regarded them, so they were soon within reach of Semai-mai. Sobuso took his asagai and aimed it right at the dog's head. He fell down stunned with an immense thud. Sobuso rushed forward, cut off the long nail at one blow, and threw the second calabash over the monster. Then he struck him three times with the shining nail. Straightway the dog's side opened, and out came first the bridegroom, then his mother, then the bride and her maids, and last of all Sabuso's brother and all his men. As each appeared in turn, Ser Mai, Mai grew smaller and smaller, till at last he was no bigger than an ordinary dog. THERE WAS GREAT REJOICING, AS YOU MAY IMAGINE, AND WHEN ALL WERE UNITED, THEY HELD A COUNCIL AS TO WHAT THEY SHOULD DO WITH SEMAIMAI'S POSSESSIONS. FINALLY THEY DIVIDED ALL HIS PROPERTY AND PEOPLE INTO THREE PARTS. ONE PART WENT TO THE PRINCE, ANOTHER TO THE PRINCESS'S FATHER, AND THE THIRD TO SUBUSO HIMSELF, WHO HAD RESCUED THEM FROM SUCH GREAT PERIL. As for samai when all was over, he revived and sprang to his feet again. But the fairy's curse had been carried out. He was now just an ordinary dog. He could not kill his enemy or speak like a man, nor had he any magic power. No one would be in any danger from him again. He ran far away to the cannibal king who first befriended him, and was fed from his table for the rest of his life. So ends the story of Samaimai.